Welcome to Season 5 of the podcast of the Urban Mystic. In this season, we're exploring relational spirituality, which is rooted in immediate engagement with God. It is a relational mystical spirituality, encouraging people to enter deeply into living and loving in relation to their own self, others, the cosmos, and God. In seeking to establish a relational spirituality on the foundation of our value for intimacy with God, we're teasing out the difference between our relationship to the practice of the faith and to the pursuit of relationship with God. Our apologies that our recordings and our publications are a little bit sporadic at the moment. We've really been struggling with the you know, end and beginning of the year to find the right kind of uh, timings to and and in the absence of that to have <laughs> the right kind of energy to, uh, to, to, to be able to do a recording. In this week's episode, we uh, work with an analogy of a three-story house and the difference between an awareness of someone's presence as they as you go about your life and your living at you know at these different levels and what it means to have a quality or an intimate or a relational or a personal engagement many people struggle to distinguish between the everywhere and every when presentness of god and god's relational presence and i i'm we're both really just hoping that this analogy um helps bring that home and helps bring home what that means we'd love you to support the work of the urban mystic by liking this episode and leaving us a comment perhaps repost it on facebook or share it with a friend if you really like it we're also looking to raise additional funds and support for the work of the urban mystic if you'd love to back us financially we would absolutely love you to back us financially we are in need of extra funds for the podcast and for the renewals of all the different things from hosting to subscriptions and that kind of stuff that we're into well here we are again tim it's been uh cheap as it's been a, a rather sporadic recording time over the last couple of months end of last year and into this year with all sorts of things coming up on either side for us but it's really 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 awesome to be back with you and chatting again and we're looking to draw this current season to a close in the next uh couple of episodes or so we've got a few important conversations that we're looking to just finish up with and make sure that we round out as much of what i might call perhaps just a a preliminary stab in some way at uh, at what we've been looking at in season five around just really honoring the idea of practicing the presence of God, relational spirituality, some of the core tenets to what we, we, we're we really trying to, to point to as we tease out this paradigm further and further. And so we've I feel like we've covered quite a bit of ground and there's still a little to go. And so I know that we've got one of the ones we've got coming up is we're going to dive into the vineyard um, model of ministry and we're going to talk a little bit about that i know you've got great experience there and i'm gonna i'm gonna listen in and contribute and ask questions as best as i can because i know little of the of the vineyard system but that's an important point for us to to get in before the season closes and then obviously sorry then obviously as well we'll we'll obviously round out with a with a beautifully scripted and concise summary of the entire season that just delivers everything all of your questions answered in one succinct 27 minute clip right <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> divinely inspired and stamped with verses yes, and references <laughs> absolutely absolutely 
but but yeah, it, it'll be good for us. I, I always look forward, you know, just as a side note, I look forward to our conclusion episodes because it's always been so much fun and it's and it really helps to look back over a season and sometimes a bit longer. Take stock a little of where we've come from and the conversations we've had and just point out one or two things again that we kind of want to close, you know, in highlighting um, or close with as we highlight them. And then it also gives us a chance to to look to the future. And so that'll be the end of this this season, which, as I say, will be the next few episodes or so as we look to the, into the future. But tonight, you've what you've put on the table for us to have a conversation about is an analogy that somebody shared with you, if I'm correct. And uh, so I thought I'm just going to kick the mic over to you, and you can get us started with tell us about this analogy and just flesh it out for us a little bit and then we can actually just start to uh, to use it as we um as we chat some more tonight about the relational presence of god relational spirituality and what we might be really continually trying to hone in on further and further in terms of what are we talking about an actual presence of God as opposed to somewhat mediated presence of God through you know different elements etc that we've touched on I think you'll you'll give us a much better sense of where we're going to get started so I'll kick the mic across to you yeah it's good to be back yeah I mean as you said it's been it's been sporadic and you know various different uh, feelings around that but um, it's good to be back recording first and nail this out and I'm I'm really excited to to draw this season to a close and and look to the next season there's been many good things that have come out this season in terms of the way we've processed our conversational journey and wrestled with each marker along the way I was uh, catching up with a friend of mine I don't think it's necessarily fair to to, to name him <laughs> although i'd love to in in some senses because this analogy is 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 brilliant and we, he was just uh, reflecting on season five and the you know the contribution the value in terms of his own journey and how he's been processing things and there were there were two things that came out of it the one thing is is he's amongst those that have really latched onto this question of of really you know how much how much time actually during the day does one actually spend experiencing God? And what is the quality of that experience? So what is the radar? Like, what is the benchmark for that? And and if you, if you start applying that, you start looking for that, he was noting that as he asks people that more and more as a question and people that he interacts with, the more he's noticing that people actually have very little felt contact time and exposure to God. But he's married to someone who experiences near constant connection with god and experience of god and so there were some questions that were that are being wrestled out and teased out around that and and one of the things that they came up with was the was 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 the notion of of and it's actually based on their house their their, their house their flat is a three-story flat <laughs> so in some ways their their lived experience started contributing and i suppose the way in which we've approached season five from a relational perspective you know in terms of concrete relationships and looking at intimacy and reciprocity and i guess also just the uh you know recognizing that there's a faith as relationship paradigm that that means that no experience of god is needed provided you've got faith you know and you you have these occasional markers where where there's feedback 
and I suppose in amongst all of that, this this analogy basically emerged of there being a three-story building inhabited in different ways and at different levels by different persons. I, I've 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 adapted this analogy a bit more. So so I've I've both stolen it and let someone know that I'm going to steal it and then worked on it. So it feels a little bit more honest and authentic for me to be using and throwing it out. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But if we can picture if we can picture the first level of the house being all the normal day-to-day stuff that we do. Yeah, that's that's where daily life takes place. It's all the normal stuff. The getting up, getting kids ready for school, getting ready for work, going to work, you know, uh, going to do a sporting activity, et cetera, et cetera. All the normal stuff, going down to the pub, you know, the library, out for lunch, shopping, you know, all your daily life stuff takes place on, on the first on the first level of this building. On the second level of the building is where you withdraw to when you're looking to do a specific spiritual activity or a religious activity, such as going to church, such as sitting in that chair and 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 and, and stepping into a period of, of solitude and silence, or such as retreating to nature to go for a walk, or you know, reading the scriptures and taking time to meditate upon it, right? So in that second tier. Or that second space, that's that would be the floor that you move up to, right? And then if you picture on the third floor being a floor that's like at the top of the house, we don't ordinarily get to go up and access it, but God lives there. And throughout this house with the three stories, there's the awareness that there's the divine presence, that God is up at the top, God is inhabiting, and you can hear God shuffling and moving around. And for some people, that's intimacy with God. There's the awareness of the presence that's up there. For other people, there's, you know, or at other times, there's there's the divine calling down. You're on the first floor and you hear, you know, you hear the voice. It's muffled. You can wonder, is God calling me? And then you can try to listen out for it, you know, as you go about the busyness of life. And for some people, that's intimacy with God. You know, I have an awareness of the divine presence up there somewhere and in and around. And then occasionally God calls down. So that's fine. And and I also relate to God because as I'm on the first floor going out things, I occasionally shout things up. And then similarly, you've got people that move up to the second floor for, for activities. And there they've got a they've got a closer sense. You can hear more about more of the footsteps. You can hear more of the subtle interactions. You've got a, again, you've got more awareness of there being a movement. And when God calls down, God doesn't have to shout in the same way. God can speak in a way that's a bit softer, a bit more personal. You can go, look, I have intimacy with God. And also again, I can I can call up to God, but I don't have to shout over the noise of daily life or through the noise of two layers, like I did if I'm on the first floor. I can actually speak a bit more quietly. And there's a sense that I'm being heard because I can hear God stop or I can hear, you know, different kind of movements or an absence or, you know, occasionally, you know, it's not just me shouting up or God shouting down. Uh, you know, God might call down in response to me shouting stuff up, right? And I think that the language of prayer and hearing from God and getting gifts from God as we go about our religious goods and services and lives often is like that. On both floors, for some people, this is intimacy. That's the depth of intimacy that they're at. And that's the depth that they're looking for. Or there's the sense of 
I'm living a lifestyle of constant awareness of God. I'm constantly trying to be aware. I'm constantly trying to communicate up, and I'm constantly available to hear what God is communicating down. So this is what intimacy with God is. And I think that those are tremendously valuable interactions, but I don't think it meets the criteria for what intimacy is. Because just as in our human-to-human -human relationships, we could go, when I'm on the first floor and I'm hanging out with friends and family and, you know, we're going and we're doing things, we're about all these activities, we can go, that's friendship, that's fun, we're doing things. There's a level of intimacy with there. It's not the quality of intimacy that you would have with a dear friend or a lover. And so one could withdraw to the second floor where there's more privacy within your home as well or within your home spaces, your activities, and take that time out and go, yeah, you know, we're having... We're having time together. This is intimacy. This is friendship. This is deep. Therefore, look at the quality of intimacy. This is wonderful. But again, that wouldn't be the same as withdrawing to the privacy of your of your bedroom, of the one-on-one, -on -one, where lovers connect and seduce each other. I mean, seduction is a long process. It takes place on all different floors. But there's a point where you retreat to solitude, to be with each other and connect with each other in an intimate way. When it comes to, this, to, to the divine presence and the awareness of the divine presence, of course there's a sense of intimacy involved in the felt presence of God, in the hearing from God communicating down, and in the calling up to God. But there's a different kind of interaction that takes place when one is invited up into the privacy and that space that God inhabits, and one is drawn in and has one-on-one -on -one direct intimate connections there. And there's a different kind of silence. There's a different kind of touch. There's a different kind of looking at each other. There's a different kind of the, the rest of the world being shut out. So anyway, so that's that's the analogy in a very uh, the image or the analogy in a very rough sense that I that I like to throw out. And um, I, I think it's very easy to grasp the the difference there of what it's like to be in constant awareness of the divine presence out there and yet for that not to count as an as intimacy in the in the sense in which you and i have been using it in the season and i think in some ways it makes the the difference between the general awareness of god out in the world and the calling up to god and god calling it down to us and providing direction or intervening or you know caring you know maybe even tossing a gift down here or there and and then secondly when one withdraws to those special activities or those those sacred activities there's a there's a difference in the quality of hearing and in the practice of that but again the same thing applies that that perhaps that's not exactly intimacy. And so for some people, they have an awareness of God that they almost discount because, yes, you've got it, but that's not intimacy. I'm looking for a certain kind of quality of engagement, a certain kind of special time together. That's what I'm hungry for. That's what I'm longing for. And for other people, there's a sense of, well, I don't need that. I don't want that. I have intimacy with God because because I'm aware of God's presence, God shouts down to me occasionally, I shout up to God, I, you know, I work for the church, I've been a Christian my whole life, you know, et cetera, et cetera. As, as we start digging into it, we start asking questions about what is genuine intimacy? Because there's a continuum here from occasional visitor, occasional voice, through the stranger, through to an awareness, because at a certain level, you can be aware that there's a rummaging up there, but it's very unclear Sure, that's God, but how do I really know it's God? 
you know, there could just be another noise. <laughs> you know, it could be it could be anyone up there. How do I really know who that is? Oh, wait, do I recognize that voice? Well, something's calling down to me. How do I know that's God? How do I not know that's God? And for more and more people, I've started saying, well, if you pick up the phone and your lover is on the phone, how often do you go do you ask yourself whether you are actually hearing from them or not? There's something in the quality of that engagement that immediately you know who you're speaking to. And so if the quality of intimacy is is that simple in a in a human-to-human relationship, <clears throat> I've started saying to people, if you're not sure if God's speaking to you and it's God calling down from, <clears throat> you know, from upstairs, because when you're downstairs, there could be any number of people in that in that middle category of spiritual beings or you know divine agents or you know religious texts or whatever your own intuitions that are speaking to you and you go i think i'm hearing from god but i don't know it's not that clear i've taken to saying what you're hearing might be valuable but why don't you just why don't you just shelve that and go maybe that's not me hearing from god and i'm okay with that what i want is i want to be clear that i'm hearing from god when god speaks to me that that's a benchmark if i can have that in any human to human relationship I can have that in the human to divine relationship. And perhaps we need to start setting standards, quality standards for what intimacy means and stop settling for second best tidbits. Yeah. Anyway, thus, thus, thus endeth my rant <laughs> and my sharing of this analogy so far. And I'm going to kick it back to you. Yeah. You know, when you, when you told me about it very briefly, you sent it to me a couple of days ago on a voice note. It just immediately struck me because I thought there's a lot of rich ground to uh, to dig in there, to till and to cultivate something. Well, there really is. I have numerous thoughts <laughs> in response. But, you know, the first one I thought might perhaps be helpful because this is something that we have paid a certain amount of attention to and continue to because... I think it seems to be, it continues to be quite a contentious point, differing sometimes on the context and the person that you're talking to. But so, so one of the immediate thoughts that comes up as I listen to you speaking this evening is I think an older voice from within me that says, but that just sounds like the temple, right? The whole idea of like, you have to gravitate through these portions in this sort of journey in this dwelling until you can reach the place where God lives the whole purpose of the you know the trajectory old into new testament is that 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 whole system is now broken down and you have absolute access into the holiest of holies and you know forgive me I'm I'm perhaps also talking somewhat in code for anyone who may not be completely um sort of up to date with with that sort of Christian terminology. Um, so, so very quickly, the idea is that there's a big building, and certain you have to stop at certain points before you can move into more and more special places within this huge building, this temple. And right at the kind of the highest place of importance is a room behind a curtain, and God lives there, and only one person is allowed to go in there. And the idea being that some point during Jesus's death, that that temple is, curtain is opened. And the idea is that now God is now everywhere. You can find God everywhere. It's not this idea of 
with this hierarchical, you know, if I think through the three levels of the house, I'm thinking hierarchical now from, you know, from in a vertical sense, from bottom to top. And and this is a voice that comes up that says, no, 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 but you can't be putting out a message that says you have to, through some of your own effort of some sorts, move sequentially through these ways of being until you reach a point where God is. And I thought, I just want to put that down and just deal with that quickly because that is one of the most often stated questions or that's that's an immediate blockage I find with people will just go to but like it that's not that's not what it is and and even I think to an extent perhaps what you were hinting at earlier between the two people the one talks about relationship with God and the other one talks about the the ever dwelling presence and that's something else that we've that we've you know tried to point the flashlight at and really just think carefully about but there's a difference between the analogy that you're using and that you're not saying that God, let's say, only lives in the top floor of the house and can only be accessed there. We are talking about layers of intimacy. Now, you can have access to a stranger in a similar way that you can have access to a lover, but you can't have access to a you can have access to a lover in a similar way you can have access to a stranger, but you can't have access to a stranger in the same way that you have access to a lover. There are levels of intimacy there of, of each side, each person revealing who they are, of growing in bond, of reciprocity, or things that we've covered before. And it's not that you can't go and greet the person or speak from them or hear their voice, but there's a level of familiarity, of reciprocity, of, of, of real lived experience, knowledge, um, of built trust, of all sorts of things that are just the grounding, the, the, the building blocks of relationship. And, and so people would say, but you know, this is ludicrous. Like God can live anywhere in the house. And so you can encounter God anywhere in the, in the top floor, in the bedroom, in the middle floor, you know, in the pajama lounge, uh, reading a sacred text or spending time in silence and solitude, and you can you can encounter God in the bottom level in the kitchen area, and I'd say, sure, <laughs> absolutely. But the point is about intimacy and deepening relationship with God. It's not about whether you're actually able to hear or speak to. And so. That I, I would want to just kind of put out immediately as a differentiation for anyone who kind of went where that old voice in me spoke up and said, oh, that sounds like one of those, you know, only certain people have certain access in certain ways. It's not that. It's that intimacy grows when you can be intimately acquainted with the other person. And you can then do that in the kitchen. But even if you know somebody intimately, you cannot have, I don't think, I think you can have a practical conversation across three floors. You're in the kitchen and they're in the bedroom and they shout down, shall I bring down the towel? And you shout back up, yes, bring the towel. And they say, what? And you say, the towel. And they say, yes, that's what I said. You know, you have a very practical conversation, but it's, it's very hard to shout that back and forth at each other. I really love you. What? <laughs> I said, your hair smells nice. What? <laughs> And think, did they hear me? Did they not? That's not intimacy. So you can have intimacy, the two of you together in the kitchen. 
you can have intimacy at the second level and and this i would want to explore a bit further i think but just in terms of differentiation and you can have as i hear you talking about you know that that real kind of one-to-one behind the bedroom door that real space of withdrawing enjoying getting to know each other further etc there's a difference here between god being everywhere and sort of quote-unquote freely accessible and knowing god intimately and deeply in a relational way and that's that's the aiming point it's not just to go well god is freely accessible so god can bring a towel anytime i shout through the house and i really like how you locate like the religious goods and services in that middle level and also weight them in terms of value it's not that spending time as we've said often solitude silence (laughs) reading sacred texts etc it's not that those are valueless it's that perhaps if i put it this way if you sit in that middle section of the house in the chair and god sits next to you in the chair and you read a sacred text that's a very different experience to you reading the sacred text and god is in the upstairs and there is an intimacy barrier. It's not an access barrier. It's a we have not moved further along the relational line together. And that is a qualitative statement on the nature of the relationship. Rather than perhaps in a way I might, I don't know if I want to say quantitative, I don't know if that's the other side, but it's not a can you know the person or can't you? It's how well you do. And those things are different. And so I've, I find that analogy really helpful as you talk about those different levels and, and then we can just jump into more. But yes, go for it. I really like what you've you've highlighted and pointed out there and and, and the way you phrased that is fantastic because you're, you're 100% correct, I think, in how people would normally kick back on that and go temple analogy and... You know, like like we don't believe in that. We don't have we you know because we've got this free access. That's really to draw on the temple analogy and throw it at this analogy, without actually hearing what this analogy is saying. <laughs> it's not it's not fair. So so I, I it's good to highlight that as a first response and and because it's helpful for us getting around that, because in this analogy it's not that it's not that God is is only in the top floor and we've got to find a way to climb up there. God can come down to any floor. But the question ends up being exactly that. It's it's if God came down and walked amongst us on that first floor as we're going about life, we don't necessarily know God. If you you know, we we, we might not necessarily recognize God because in the world of moving to intimacy, there's a transition from meeting the st- divine stranger to becoming the friend of the divine to becoming an intimate with the divine and that's 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 part of what we're wrestling for and we probably need a range of different um analogies rather than just one or another because we run into limitations with these with these analogies and in this one that's that's exactly it because even if one could go through even assuming with this analogy that you go to the top floor, you could go, look, I have intimacy with God because I've got access to the top floor. But God might not be there when you go up there. So, so to go up to that top floor and say, look, I've been, I've been into the 
the room. Therefore, I've got intimacy. I've got access to the room. Therefore, I've got intimacy. That's not the same thing. Because because we we need to we need to have a different analogy if we're going to or or we've got to get into something slightly different when we're wrestling with the ever presentness of God as opposed to the relational attentiveness of God. Because I feel like there's a phenomenal difference between those two as well. You know, to look at to 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 basically say God is ever present on every level in that house again is to not acknowledge that. Okay, so there's still a relational distance, and this analogy is 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 an attempt to at least my 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 plagiarized and slightly creatively advanced <laughs> attempt at finding a way to to reflect that there's a relational difference between how we go about spending our lives how we go about setting aside special times and activities in order to be spiritual or religious, and the fact that there's relational distance involved in those. And the question becomes, how do we cover that? How do we cover that relational distance? And do we feel that we can and we're entitled to? And when we we try to cover that relational distance and we find God to be absent, there's different things that come out. But I do find that the the problem ends up being pe- with 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 many people saying, "Okay, I, I realize that there's this relational distance. I'm looking for relational intimacy. So must I move from the first floor activities to second floor activities? And then they find that they're avoiding them, and that even if they do them, they're still avoiding intimacy dynamics. And then there are people that often that 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 will talk about these peak experiences where they've heard God clearly shouting down in ways that like brought them to tears and you know, motivated them in their life and the activities. But they've not moved from those to a sense of of reciprocity. And it, it's not entitled to be entitled in a bad way or, a, or you know, or anything like that. But 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 there isn't that sense that that God is calling and inviting us to a reciprocal deep relationship. To to a relationship where where both people get to share in intimacy. Both people get to be pursuers and pursued. Both people get to 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 call and wait for responses, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But but that the key thing being reciprocity as opposed to, you know, I'm going about my daily life on the bottom floor and I'm shouting stuff up constantly. Look, I'm in constant prayer. You know, and I see that often. I I I went to take a look at a property with someone a while back and you know, the estate agent was a was a Christian, and the tenants were YWAM people, and the YWAM person was slightly sick, and the person was just, uh, oh yeah, I'm going to pray for you to be to be healed, and blurted out some stuff and made some, you know, um, Pentecostalish claims in Jesus' name. The person's still sick, you know, you know, everyone's claimed the healing, and I I just sat there, and they're like, you're going to join with me and agree with me in prayer, and I said, I'm I'm actually not, I'm. I'm going to wait and see if I hear anything from God. Do you, do you guys do any of this? Do you ever wait to hear back from God? And the response from both parties was no. <laughs> you know, and that's where an analogy like this I find is particularly powerful because there the idea is is God's not limited to just those second floor activities. God's in those first floor activities. You know, we're going about daily life. We're looking at property. We're, you know, we're walking around town. We're going about. But but the activity was them shouting up at God without even making room for God to shout down back. 
and and that's where there's an intimacy gap and and an analogy like this i feel brings us it it starts bringing it starts bringing us into a clearer picture of what many people's spirituality their felt spirituality in a practical sense plays out like which ends up being cast as intimacy with god but isn't intimacy and i was thinking about it's just listening just listening to you now and i'm picturing this the idea of a person on the bottom floor shouting up now Let's just try and get this straight in my head. Part of the reason that it's not as important, if not important at all, in terms of hearing back, is the importance is in the shouting up because that's the only voice you can hear at that proximity. You can't necessarily hear the voice from the top floor shouting back. But when intimacy is not the question, the other voice doesn't matter as much, if at all. Now, if you change the proximity parameters, that can remain the issue. You can go up to the second floor where it might be easier to hear back from somebody on the third floor. But if the default setting is not towards intimacy, which does prize a balance of voices in relationship. It doesn't prioritize one voice over the other. And this is something we've we've talked about recently as well. It also doesn't prioritize one view of one side of the relationship over the other. And it doesn't place the ownership of the picture of the other. So person A doesn't get to own the picture of person B in an intimate relationship that is reciprocal, person B owns their image and person A owns their image and they deliver it to each other. And in that reciprocity, they find each other. But where intimacy isn't important, and I've seen this working with couples where intimacy isn't important and the one person is seemed is deemed to be far more important than the other, their persona, their needs, their wants, et cetera, et cetera. You do, and that's what came to me clearly. You get that picture of the one person shouting from the ground floor up because it doesn't actually matter whether they hear back. And even then, if you move that person closer to the other person, so you narrow the proximity in this analogy, move them up to the second floor. If intimacy hasn't become the default, they can still shout at the ceiling and it doesn't matter whether they hear back or not because that's not a question of the value of what's going on here. And so if you move up to the second story where you've got your texts and your practices, et cetera, that often, as we've talked about, replace the voice of God, the reason it can do that is because intimacy is not a huge value there. And so the ownership of the relationship actually exists within the person, their knowledge of the texts, practices, you know, church doctrines, dynamics, the, the, the goods and services they engage in all the time. But where intimacy is a point where it is of, if not top value, it's right up there. You know, it's in like one of three or one of five, you know, sort of key values. It's unthinkable 
not to look for a response. Because intimacy doesn't live without that kind of call and response or give and take. Or and there's lots of ways in which we can talk about that. Now, at a practical level, if I quickly switch back to the towel things, you're on the bottom floor and your lover's on the top floor and you shout out, bring me down a towel, and they happen to hear you and they bring you a towel. That, that kind of practical reciprocity can keep a relationship alive because eventually you'll say, I keep bringing you a towel, you never bring me a towel. Oh, okay. Well, if we wanted this to keep going, we better bring each other towels. And people think, look at that, we have a great relationship. But you can achieve practical reciprocity without re achieving like deeper emotional and enriched kind of uh, kind of revelation of selfhood and sharing and trust and all sorts of that in a relationship. That's that's real intimacy. Intimacy practicalities are very important, but but that's not the the foundation blocks of intimacy are not in practicalities. I don't think they're in other things. Practical reciprocity can keep a relationship alive, but attaining deeper emotional and relational attunement is actually where intimacy is at. And so, so you can build a relationship that works practically that you're dependent on and you can still be starving for intimacy within that relationship. And you can perhaps miss that starvation because the practicalities meet a certain amount of our needs as, as human beings, I think, if I look at human-to-human -human relationship. But there are people that if you talk to them will say, cheapest, like 20, 30, 40 years of marriage, and I didn't have a fulfilling life. I didn't have a fulfilling relationship because there were elements of what we did together that worked. I mean, we raised kids, we paid off a house, we went on holiday, you know, and people will awake and say, they will awaken. And, and I think this is a broader concept than, and I don't want to murky, kind of muddy the waters here, but I do sense that there are more and more people clamoring for that kind of intimacy to, know, to be known and to know. And that that hopefully this is a little bit more of a past orientation, which is, you know, we, we had a great relationship because we were together for a number of years. We successfully raised kids, sent them out to the world, put them through varsity, paid off a house, whatever it was, you know. But there are more and more people going, but I wasn't fulfilled. Like, did he or she get me? Did they... Do they know what my fears and my hopes really were? Did they know that I that I hated every year that I spent at that job for 30 years just so I could, you know, keep the family ticking over? Did they ever ask me if there was anything better I wanted to do or, or how fulfilled I was in our emotional connection, sexual connection, our intellectual connection, our spiritual, you know, all these different elements of what it is to be human. And then, and then I think in the human to divine, I think, you can get by at that practical level. And it does sustain, to, as you say, like every now and then you can hear the voice shouting down, can see you're in trouble, keep going. And you think, oh, oh I mean, that's quite nice. I mean, and, and, and that touches on an emotional need, but it might combine with, you know, perhaps some sort of happening that 
that a practical level keeps you going and spurs you on and, and you think, okay, fantastic. Well, the practical level is you're part of some church community that helps sustain you and, and you get a human-to-human -human sort of societal, sociological functioning going on that's great. And, and every now and then there's the faintest whispers from upstairs of, of another voice joining the conversation. But very much at a practical level, you can keep going. And I think people are saying things like, but I can read you know, the sacred texts. I can spend time in the goods and services. But I'm just wondering if that's fulfilling enough, if that's really kind of the, the core essence of what's going on here. But you, you have to change the proximity, but you also have to change the conversation. And I think that's what we're really trying to do towards, can you orientate towards intimacy on a number of levels? which has to do with things we've been talking about, vulnerability and disclosure and trust and sharing and all sorts of things. Look, one of the places that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a, a direct um, parallel to this is chatting to couples that I know that are in their late 40s and 50s who've had a lot of practical reciprocity throughout their marriage, raising their kids, and are really just looking back and going, we don't have, I don't have the intimacy with my spouse. Like, we, we hear each other, we do practical stuff, I can rely on you for the practical stuff, but I'm not getting the intimacy, and you know what, I'm, I'm dying without it, and I'm, I'm struggling in life without it, and I, I, just, I, I just don't know if the, if the practical stuff is just good enough anymore. Um, and it's 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 been a it's been a key thing in, in dozens of couples I've spoken with over the last uh, last few years. I I feel like when I speak to a lot of people about the frustrations that they're having with God and their faith in a similar place in life, that they're in the same place. They've got a lot of practical reciprocity related to church, ministry, and service you know private spiritual practices you know reading the bible the devotional stuff was drawing to silence and they're basically going the intimacy is not there and you know it's i just i just you know these things that used to be so fulfilling they just aren't anymore because i don't experience the intimacy and, you, and these are people that do hear from god they will they will hear from god they will hear god shouting stuff down to them you know they spend a lot of time stuff shouting up and they they're arriving at the place of going, I've done all of this. And not only have I done all of this, I've been leading churches and groups in doing this. <laughs> and 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 I've told others that when they're lacking for this kind of stuff, they're supposed to be doubling down on all these things. So that if, you, if you're twice as good at fulfilling the practical stuff, you take a lot of the stress out of it. And taking the stress out of it means that you've got peace. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's the peace that counts, right? But it actually isn't. There's there's something to the value of of being able to see and hear someone deeply, maintaining that curiosity in them as they evolve through life, and feeling that that person is the person that sees you and hears you. That is actually a critically part of our health, wealth, and well being in life as people. And it's missing in the relationships people are having with their spouses. It, it's often missing in the relationship that that the parents are having with their kids, and it's missing in in deeply 
uh, committed religious and spiritual people who are looking for a relationship with God. And, and, and so they can look at things and go, oh, synchronicity, or this happened, or that happened. Oh, look, it's coming together. And that is God shouting up or down from somewhere in the context of life. But it's not an intimate connection. You know, to say it's a synchronicity or, you know, or, 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 a, or, a, or a stranger had heard from God and responded is not the same as intimately engaging God one-on-one and having that directly with each other. You know, earlier when you talked about the peace, it, it got me thinking of, I think there's a manufactured peace that comes into our lives when we busy ourselves enough with the practicalities of life that we don't allow space to miss other things. And I think there is, to an extent, that manufactured peace that, that happens to people when if you double down and you do enough of that stuff, it takes up enough of your time and fills the tank enough in some way that that you either don't have time to wonder about anything else or that's just what you're doing all the time and, and you kind of accept that that must just be good enough. And I think, I was, I was thinking this past week about Maslow and his hierarchy of needs in a different context and I thought, I wonder how applicable that is still as a theory. I, I think at a very, at a very sort of functional and almost primary level, the hierarchy of needs is, is quite helpful and quite solid. But at the same time, you know, I've met people who've stopped eating because they've lost a loved one. They're grieving. And the need for food and shelter and survival, basically, is the bottom part of that pyramid of, of needs that Maslow set out. And yet that, that is ignored because one of the higher elements within that hierarchy is unsettled. And I think that's fascinating to me. And so I, I do think that this is, and I must just be careful because I think it's a, it's a little bit of a privileged conversation to go, people who have food and shelter, et cetera, et cetera, and, and then something terrible that they go through, they'll give that up voluntarily to an extent. So that's why I think it exists at a very primary sense that one of the first things really we as humans need to do is to bash out some kind of survival mechanism, food, shelter, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean that exists in the same way across all cultures at all times in the same way, all the time. There are a couple of other things that I was thinking about that might be might be applicable. The first is that one of the lesser known parts of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is that satiation of a need at any level stops any further development. And although that might not be entirely applicable, I wonder whether in that same kind of same kind of sense, if you double down on the doings of the practicalities of this. God stuff, whether that satiates enough at that level that you don't hunger for more. And it just takes the edge off the hunger enough and you're busy enough that you just kind of go, well, this is where I'm at. This is, you know, I've kind of reached the top of the pyramid. And the other thing I thought was, and this is what I was really kind of crunching through this past week, was perhaps. Perhaps it makes more sense for there to be more of a 
constellation of needs in which each have their own importance. And we need to understand that intimacy with others is a true and important and very valid need for us as human beings. I do think it's more important for some than others. And that's an area that I really, 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 I want to spend a lot more time looking into. And I'd even love to formally study at some point. I think it seems to be from what I've read and digested over the past few years that there are there are some of us humans that are more relationally oriented than others. That almost seems like a no-brainer to say. And I think it's easier for those of us less sort of highly relationally focused to dismiss intimacy to a certain extent. Okay, well, I, I know enough things about that other person. Can we move on? But that doesn't mean that there's a significant percentage of our world population that are geared towards high relational intimacy. And that that means that that then does, should, and must play out in our spirituality. Absolutely. That we are, we are wired towards, I think if I can come back to what I said earlier, we are wired towards seeing that when we stand on the bottom floor and we shout up, and we are looking for a response because we're wired toward intimacy, that we notice when there isn't one, or it's muffled, or it's delayed, or it sounds angrier than we think it should be because you have to raise your volume <laughs> and the tone of your voice significantly, you know, to con communicate through two layers of concrete. And we're wired to a sensitivity towards that to go, there could be a lot more here. And I think people like that perhaps have been saying to me after how many years of marriage, it's it's not enough that, that we've just done okay. I actually wanted more. I wanted to be better known. I wanted to be asked more things. I wanted more space to explore myself with that person. I wanted to know that person more and explore them. And I wanted to know what hurt them and didn't hurt them and what scared them and didn't scare them and what excited them and didn't excite them, etc. That's actually where one can get into a um, a tremendous mismatch when one person is basically saying I need more intimacy and the other person goes what more do you expect me to do for you look at all the stuff I'm doing for you you know every time you've asked me for that I've doubled down on something else and I just can't keep doubling down on all these other practical things whereas that's not actually what's being asked for yes one could even be asking for the setting aside the practical things just to have the, the the intimacy. And so so in some ways I feel like that's that's often what's being missed. And within within Christianity, there's a sense of like, what more can you ask for? I mean, you know, God gave his only son. I mean, geez, you know, mm, like there's mm, we, mm. we can quote John 3 16. Like, I mean, what more is there? You know, or or one can go how can you be expecting to hear more from God? You you go from church, we've got the Bible, we've got worship, this is all there. Or, you know, and we'll we'll get into this. Um, you know, we, we go to these things and you know, God gives these gifts, God drops these gifts down from above, you know. So so look, there's intimacy, these things are being fulfilled. How could you be asking for more? What do you mean you're asking for more intimacy? And and it invalidates the question. And it lets it leaves people in the position that what they're asking for is not legitimate. And so people retreats. They they 
they're unclear about what the need that they have is. They cannot voice it clearly, and whenever they do, they get shut down for it. And so they retreat, and then they silently end up going unfulfilled in their relationships and in their spirituality. But I think they do know it in the lack. I think I'd put money on that. You know? And, and, and yeah, I've both experienced that myself, and I think I've seen that in others. You might not even be able to verbalize it, but there's something that is that you cannot ignore. You know there's a gap. You know you're looking for more. But it's easy to end up feeling like there's something wrong with you or because as though you're ungrateful because you're not fulfilled by what's there. And I, I, and I think that's it's it's tremendously hard to communicate that and for couples, you know, and, and I mean, you, you know more than me from couples therapy, how hard it is to get one party to hear that when they're so focused on everything that they're doing that they can't see past themselves and what they're defending in order to just be able to hear what is actually being said. And I think in the context of, of our faith, we're actually stuck with that, which is why which is why it's been really important to highlight these values and take a look at how they're being fulfilled in order to be able to show that the practical activities and the practical reciprocity in 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 doing church is keeping a relationship alive but it's not fulfilling people's needs for intimacy a valid and necessary quest for deeper intimacy and, and that's why i've loved how we've satellites uh, these these three ideas kind of satellite around the central axes for us around the self the other and god because in all three of those realms i think there is the opportunity for greater intimacy greater intimacy with yourself with others and also with god and and i really love the analogy that you you know just put out for us to discuss tonight because it highlights I think it's just some 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 really important facets and some very interesting facets of the conversation around what intimacy can look like in terms of how we live out our daily lives in different levels of interaction of intimacy and that you can be connected to an extent with somebody I'm talking human to human now, as they come and join you as a stranger at your kitchen table, it's very different, at least in my life, if you then invite them into the next story of your house. And it's even further invitation to intimacy to invite them to the top level of your house. And there's a similar to me sort of process as you peel back the layers of intimacy with God. And that's one of the things that really I find brilliant about the analogy, but also how it can clearly set out the disconnect of where it's hard to pursue intimacy when you're at different levels or different places in the house, and you just cannot lie to yourself and say, if every conversation I ever have with 
the significant other or a few other significant others is separated between level one and three of the house. You cannot say that you have intimacy if that's the only way in which you go about pursuing deep relationship. It's just not possible. It's not possible. There are times when you have to notice we're on the same level of the house, but we're not talking to each other. We're seated quietly at the fire together, enjoying the fire, but saying nothing. We're in the bedroom seducing each other, as you said earlier. We're enjoying a meal together in a deeply sacred and connecting way in the everyday part of our kitchen while we talk deeply about what troubles us, excites us, whatever it might be. There are different ways in which intimacy can play out at different parts in the house, but I don't know how else to say it. It has to be intimate. <laughs> there, there, must be a, there must be a clever way of saying that. It, 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 I don't want to oversimplify it and say it is or it isn't intimate. But there's a point there. Look, it, it, brings, it, it brings me back to that earlier image that you had of, of the kids basically calling and saying that they're hungry and as a parent responding. And there's ways in which you can respond to that and still have no relational engagement and yet fulfill the practical needs of someone in a loving way, in ways that they appreciate, and yet you're still not connecting. I, I, I don't know if you if you recall that one. Yes, I do. Yes, where, where, where I feel like we finally found or <laughs> landed at ways of, of, of expressing it between you know, between the collection of these analogies and the way we've handled it in the season, where, where where I feel like it makes sense to me and it allows me to grapple with and, and arrive at, like, what is it that I'm looking for when I'm looking for intimacy with God? And the, and, and it really comes down to reciprocity. And it, it, it doesn't mean that one is trying to pigeonhole. Because, like, I you know, I, I had another person... Um, um, you might be surprised to know, but not all the feedback I get is positive. <laughs> well, at least I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> and and I had someone come back and basically go, like, what is this nonsense? Like, you're just expecting God to be talking to you all the time. You know, like, are you expecting God to be, you know, like, like, like telling you, like, like when you're supposed to eat breakfast and what you're supposed to wear? And I'm like, what? planet are you on where did you get that from <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I, like 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 the idea of god as the nagging wife is the opposite of intimacy that's not what we're talking about <laughs> um so i'm aware of 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 how in trying to put forward an analogy once 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 putting forward something and inviting people to a process of understanding and communication as well that the putting forward of the analogy is itself an exercise in intimacy and in being seen and heard. And, and, and how easy it ends up being for people to, to be committed to not hearing you accurately. No, I, yeah, and I think, I mean, the question that you raise is a good one because I was going to say at some point we should probably help anybody who has questions with that. And I'm not just saying we'll just quickly simply state it, it's done with because it's not that simple, but 
it would be helpful to just kind of address the question of, are we suggesting that intimacy with God is that God kind of sits on your shoulder and there's an in, like this unending incessant chatter throughout the day, turn left, turn right, watch, don't trip over that brick. Oh, did you see that person fell over? Go help them up. You know, that is, is that what we mean by intimacy with God? And second picture is that if you whistle, God comes running, <laughs> you know, like, oi, I'm ready for intimacy, show up. And, and I think, I think if you look like you said, you know, what planet are you on is a very good lens through which to approach this. If you think about what really healthy, mature intimacy is, deep relationships do not thrive with one person sitting on the other's shoulder. Do this, do that, don't do that, watch out, did you see this, be careful, stop that. There's just no way that's a deep and fulfilling relationship. It's just not. It's much closer to a very early, I think at least, parent-child relationship. But no adult parent, uh, no, no parent to adult child relationship thrives like that. And then, secondly, the show up right now, I want to be intimate. Like, <laughs> if that's your picture of intimacy as well, then perhaps you need some help. Like, again, like, what, what planet are you on? No relationship, no mature relationship exists when the one party says to the other, Right, I'm ready to get naked, basically. That's the picture that I come up with. Like, There is no thriving. It, it works off the ebb and flow of desire and readiness and connection and time and trust and all those sorts of things. And perhaps we can do that in far. We could do we can we can pay it a lot more attention over a greater period of time, perhaps in half an episode or something on its own. But no mature relationship exists with that kind of ATM shop on demand idea or what you think of constant connection being actually just very kind of controlling, over-involved. It's something quite different. And, and I would say, which is I think something that has been working as we've talked, think about what you might view a very healthy, mature adult relationship like. What would you view that as? And I think that can be, and that's at least <laughs> the theoretical approach I'm coming with to an extent, although I think it's also practical and experiential, and we can get into that at a longer stage. But that's what's going on here as we extrapolate and explore the idea of a relationship with God is God is not just that little angel that sits on your shoulder and tells you what to do and what not to do every second of the day. That's not intimacy. And God doesn't show up on demand either. That's not intimacy. And also something that is, 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 is challenging to understand and communicate again, and it requires maturity. And, and again, a mature adult-adult relationship involves that. The other person isn't responsible for sniffing out your your intimacy needs and then fulfilling them you're responsible for owning your own yes. needs at once voicing it and and being able to step forward in connection with that person to have them met and i think that there isn't enough discussion in spirituality around that and i i suspect and this is something i really want to be digging into, is that 
all of our language of non-attachments, of self-abnegation, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, basically takes it takes any of the intimacy stuff out of spirituality. You know, to be in the position where I have no need for God to love me. Okay, yeah, um, I can see where we go wrong with uh, not having intimacy with God there, right? Because <laughs> God could show up going, I'm in need of a hug, and we go, no. My, Just remember, yeah, we don't need anything. My, my reading of Scripture says you, you God, don't, yeah, you specifically you don't, don't need, need anything. anything. Yeah, exactly. We've built an entire <laughs> theology on God has no needs. So <laughs> take your needy self and sort off. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and it, it it comes down to the thing of of to have a need of God, to have a need for intimacy is not legitimate. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that. And it parallels. People cannot voice their needs in a healthy way in a human-to-human -human relationship. There we've got some very strong embodied needs that, that's actually a part of our framework driving us in that. Those same needs, well, our need for intimacy with God is the same, but our biological need for the fulfillment in and around intimacy with God differs. It's a different kind of relationship. If our human-to-human -human relationship is, is stuff that we kind of mature conversations about, and it's 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 that important for the fulfillment there, we find it very hard to then have any understanding of what, a, what what needs we actually do have of God. So there again, we don't know how to voice it. We don't know how to go about getting it fulfilled. But we're given the basics of, no, no, Steve, Tim, it, it means that you're spending so much time on the first floor and wanting, uh, you know, God to be fulfilling needs that, that your spouse or your partner should be fulfilling. You know, God doesn't fulfill those needs. You know, but if you go up to the second floor and you can hear God rummaging around better, you don't have to have as good a hearing. It's it's just part of the structure. You'll see that your needs are actually fulfilled by being up there. And I think that's what a lot of people are saying. If you really love God, you'll go to church. Your needs for God is being fulfilled there. You know, and then we end up with people saying silly things like, like, you know, everyone's going to disappoint you, Steve, Tim, but Jesus never disappoints. You know, so I, I responded on someone's Facebook wall and I said, no, actually, that's not the case. I um I experienced disappointment with God. And and I think it's really important to normalize it. I mean, some of it just arises out of the fact that I don't know how to voice my needs to God. And then I don't know how to accept it when God wants to fulfill it either. Because there's the there's the interplay between I'm going to pursue this, but if you give it to me, I'm going to avoid it and put it away because you you didn't fulfill it last week or last year or the last 20 years. <laughs> you know, so so there's there's a lot of personal challenge and growth that goes into digging into intimacy where self-preservation and self-actualization like meet. And that's that's where you're referring to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is really important because we can get stunted in so many areas. It's only at a certain point of, of that continual moving up and opening that and in getting to be fulfilled in life, to arrive at not being fulfilled in life, that we realize there's the deeper need to be fulfilled by God. But then by then, there's a sense of like, we have no idea how to do that. You know? And, yeah, and that's interesting. even if we wanted it, it's not legitimate for us to want it. <laughs> yes. You know, because God doesn't have a need for that for us.
And anything that God did to fulfill was done on the cross anyway. So what's left? What's left? That doesn't get fulfilled in your life. Whereas I think that that's 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 actually the secret. The secret is, and the challenge is to, is to pursue the depth of relational intimacy with God in this life, with the sense that we can attain it, because there again, the two key models that we have between Moses and Jesus, are people who walked closely with God, and knew God intimately in the context of their daily lives. And and yes, they 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 had that in the context of first floor activities. They had that in the context of those second floor activities, but they also and especially had in the context of those third floor activities. You know, using this analogy, not the temple analogy. And and I think that's we've for us to have these two key figures um, defining our faith and spirituality and our mysticism. And to end up without a spirituality that actually prioritizes this, I look at that and I just go, we've got to be balmy. How did we end up with that? (laughs) (laughs) How how could we have dug through all these mystics over, uh, you know, this this rich heritage that we've got to end up with formative spirituality as being key and faith as intimacy as our dominant paradigm? How did we land up there? It could only have been sold to us by someone that didn't get it. <laughs> and they were put in charge and paid well. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess also I think, you know, the other thing that is never far from my mind is the fear of moving up. Those different levels of the, the, the sacrifice that it takes to keep moving. It takes huge amounts of sacrifice to pursue intimacy with another human being. I oh, jeez. And tremendous you fear know, of like, my yeah. goodness, like, like, like where's where you know issues of 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 impotence rejection self-image etc all start coming into it absolutely and so to a certain extent the people in charge are also we we keep them very well in charge because uh, as long as there's a good ringmaster for the circus the circus can continue and you don't have to ask whether you like being a clown or a lion tamer you can actually just keep participating. And to a certain extent, that then continues to satiate those practical, practicality, practical needs at that level. And so you can ignore the question just on the limits of your vision that is trying to get your attention to say, perhaps there is some more. And... Um, I was listening to someone say the other day, it's, yeah, I was going to misquote that. That's Jordan Peterson, actually, who says, if you really want to know one of the ways in which you can make your life better, go and sit on your bed and ask yourself that question and wait for the answer. But be prepared. You might not like it or it might shock you, but you will get an answer if you earnestly seek for it. And I think that is the question often that exists at the perimeter of our vision, clamoring for attention. And when we wait and we allow that space, it can come into center stage and it can say, do you like the circus or would you like to move on to something better? But I think we keep that busyness often. We keep, we participate in the circus. We we pay the ringmaster to keep the circus going as well, to tell all the other parts to keep moving because then we don't need to stop 
and take a moment and take stock and go, am I actually fulfilled? I'm going to work every day. I'm doing this. I have whatever, you know, family, buying a house, contributing, doing this and that, going to church. I can continue to commit at a very practical level to my life and the days and weeks and months and years to go over. But is there a fulfillment in that, which is, a, I think, a beckoning forward? And I think that intimacy is a key one. And, and sometimes, you know, I think just reflecting on some of what you're saying, I think if I and you, and then if we could perhaps help point others in that direction, if we could solve the question, the two questions of our relationship with ourself, which I think is a is a huge vessel in terms of how we understand relationship with other and with God. And if we can then solve our relationships with others, if we can get those two facets of our existence healthier and healthier, I hesitate to say right, but with the orientation that those two assist us, they take the form of how you can actually make space within yourself and externally to meet the divine other. It's like building blocks that if we could just sort of really start to get those right. But as I say, with the orientation towards the third element of our existence, which is the divine other, I think it would it would make a huge difference. A huge difference. But I think often like the formative spirituality stuff you're talking about, it it halts at either just getting it right with me or just getting it right with me and others. And there isn't that orientation towards. Those are good and important things in and of themselves, but that's not the whole picture. And I think if you want to ask the question of fulfillment in this life, you cannot ignore that third part, which is the question of whether it's possible to begin maintain and nurture a relationship with self, others, and God. And if you take enough time to ask those questions, I think you'll get some answers that might surprise you around what satiation levels you currently have in your, in your blood work around all three of those aspects of who you are as a human being. And I know there have been times when I have been very, very, very busy doing churchy stuff and running programs and feeling incredibly fulfilled. And suddenly the darkness on the sides of my vision will start to encroach a bit. And uh, I see the little signs waving that there's some questions to be asked. And either I've doubled down and committed further to the program and pushed that back out, or I've had to turn and kind of face those little pieces of the abyss and go, all right, what are you here to tell me? Okay. Doesn't matter how many churches I build, it's not going to make me. It's not going to make any difference on intimacy with God. Oh, oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> well, that was a waste of fifteen years of my life. Okay, that's a hard one to, <laughs> to metabolize, right, and to digest. But um, I can't see any greater questions in life than to focus on those three because I think they permeate absolutely every part of our existence. The practicalities then have deep wonder and beauty and meaning to them 
but I'm not certain that they can carry on. I don't think they can carry that weight on their own if you can't look at that triad of existence and see fulfillment in the relationship with self, other, and God. I, I, I battle to see outside of that, and I'm trying because I think that's important too to think critically about this as well, but that's some of my sense. And what, what comes up for me when you talk about the house, which is why I think it's been such a an important picture to to follow through on and talk through.